when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is Colby Patnode and I'm joined as always by Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how you doing today? About as well as someone could be when their baseball team is on a five-game losing streak. Oh, have the Mariners played the last couple days? I thought we were talking about Russell Wilson. I mean... I didn't yeah. really prepare anything for the Mariners, so... I mean, hey, Seattle, we got a deal. Stop. <laughs> just, just stop. Um, that was the creepiest thing I've ever watched in my... I hate when he's... Uh, when he really lays it on when he's around Sierra, when he does all these like weird intimate videos with sierra he like changes his entire personality and he's trying to be smooth and i just i can't buy that whatsoever it's so Um, cringy yeah russell's a geek and uh i we all know it and it's cute when he tries to act like he's not but he is absolutely um he's one of the biggest geeks in the world um but whatever i remember when i remember when he got engaged uh to sierra he was like Yo, I'm with my queen, and then like two days later, he's in a press conference. He's like, "Yeah, guys, it's fifty three and a third, and we're taking it one play at a time." <laughs> Go Hawks! Yeah, it's like <laughs> I don't know why he gave him a George W. Bush laugh, but yeah, it's uh, <laughs> he's. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's he, he's a nerd. Whatever, let him do his thing. You make that much money, you can do whatever you want. So, uh, um, but yeah, guys. Um, in all seriousness. Um, we got a pretty jam-packed show today. We're going to talk Mariners lineup construction um, a little bit. Ty and I have some ideas for how to tweak the lineup to try and uh, get out of this five-game losing streak funk um, where the offense has been uh, less than encouraging, I guess I would say. Um, And we also got a, a ton of questions from you guys. And before we get into the questions... We're going to talk a little bit about Eric Swanson, who makes his uh, starting debut today. He did get into a game last week against the uh, Royals, and he looked pretty good. So uh, we'll talk about what you can expect from Eric Swanson today. And then uh, Ty wants to talk a little bit about Tom Murphy, um, who had a big game last night. And it's really, it looks like a, a pretty good find for Jerry Depoto and his crew. So uh, that's what's on the docket today. Um so let's just dive right in. Let's go ahead and let's talk about the lineup. Um, the Mariners have run into some, uh, you know, first and foremost, some really good pitching. Um, right, yeah. Which I think is something that is being overlooked a bit. But they've run into some good pitching. But also the 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 offense, at the end of the day, they're not getting the job done. And I know myself and Ty have both wondered if maybe there's a – a lineup tweak or maybe there's a there's something the Mariners can do in-house to uh to score more runs so um Ty let's 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 uh dive into that um do you have any uh 
what's your biggest problem with the lineup right now? Do you think? Um, I think it's Malik Smith. Yeah, at lead off. I, um, you know, he he looks like a guy that's that's missed the you know the entirety of spring training. Um, he's just he doesn't look very comfortable at the plate. Um, he's not really putting in consistently solid ABs whatsoever. Um, whiffing on a lot. Uh, it's just not what you saw from him last year. It's um, he 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 looks overmatched quite often, um, and that's that's causing a problem because there's this you know you go from D Gordon to Malix and and that bridge to Hanniger and Santana right now is just it's not it's not very um, encouraging. It's not very uh, efficient right now um because of malix and that's causing some some issues and so i i think right now you know i still think that it's a little too early to make drastic lineup changes but at some point if this continues and malix continues to struggle i think you need to look at you know taking them down to seventh um like they did in the first game against boston and have hanniger be the leadoff guy or have D Gordon, who's been pretty good to start the year, uh, hit leadoff instead, and just swap those two guys out from uh, nine to one. Um, otherwise, you know the lineup. I think it's fine. I think you know you have your best hitters in, in the heart of the order. I I kind of like the idea that they toyed with on uh, on Sunday with Vogel back hitting third. I think that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I, I would honestly put Jay Bruce a lot lower right mm-hmm. now, um, just to to maybe capitalize a little more on his power with uh, some of the more speed uh, oriented players on the roster like D and like Malix. I think that could be a bit of a of a problem uh, that you could cause for other teams having that kind of bat towards the bottom of the lineup that can just you know he has eleven hits and eight of them are home runs right now, so. Right. You know, it's uh, <laughs> you know, I I think that's something that uh, you could take a look at. But right now, um, it, it's really lead off because Malik's is just he 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 clearly needs some time to get into the swing of things, and he he's behind right now. You know, and he's probably going to be behind for another month or so. Um, and that's not really his fault. It's just you know, that's just how things go. That's probably how or what's going to happen with Kyle Seager when he returns. Um, you know, when you miss a significant time like Malik did and like Seager has so far, um, of course they're going to struggle because it's just, you know, getting back into live pitching and everything. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a pretty, pretty hard thing to do. That's why there's only so many players in uh major league baseball. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I, I think, Hanniger um, at one, you know, obviously there's been a small sample size for him at in the one hole, but when he's when he's been there, he's been dominant. He's been George Springer, you know, in that in that mm-hmm. role, and uh, I think I think there's a lot there, and you know, he's a high on base guy. You know, you could even toy around with 
the idea of maybe like Omar Naivaez hitting first because, uh, you know, the, the Reds just did that with uh, Kirk Castley, you know, someone that, that can get on base and, and just set the tone. You can toy around with these ideas, but I think Hanniger is the best option right now. And uh, that's what I would like to see if this continues for Malik's. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's a bit of uh, bad timing on Malik's because there was a uh, there was a point where Malik's was really hitting um, and he was walking a few times like I wouldn't give up on Malik Smith altogether. Um, right. There's no reason to do that. And there's no reason that removing him from the leadoff spot has to be a permanent thing. It doesn't. Right. Uh, it's a very short term thing. Um, but at some point you're hurting the player as well as you're hurting your team. Uh, and I think for me, it's needs to be either Mitch Hanniger or even Domingo Santana in the leadoff spot. And that sounds crazy, but consider this, um, last night, um, if Domingo Santana or Alex Smith or, uh, or if uh, Mitch Hanniger are hitting leadoff, they're getting that final bat against Brad hand, not Malik Smith. Um, do you like your chances? with those two guys against Brad hand more than you like him with Malik Smith. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned Omar Nervaez. That's fine. He's not, he's not getting on base at his usual rate, but he's having good at bats. Um, and you, you trust the track record there uh, of getting on base. Um, even a guy and Colton will love this. Even a guy like Daniel Vogelback at leadoff makes some sense. And the Cubs reason did it was Schwarber. Right. And the reason that a lot of you guys are, like thinking we've gone crazy is, is because Vogelback's fat and he's slow. That's not a leadoff guy. Why not? What's he why? walks a lot? He's been walking a lot. He walks a lot. He's got a great eye. He's got a good plan at the plate. He, he can hit for power. He can make things one to nothing in a hurry. Um, really, like I said, the only the only reason not to consider Vogelback in the leadoff spot is if you think that stolen bases are the most important stat uh, for the leadoff guy. It's not. It's couldn't be further from stolen bases. You need a guy. Just remember, guys, lineups are cyclical. They're not a straight line, as weird as that sounds. Nine turns into one, right? It just yep. it's you have to give your best players the most at bat. So while Hanniger's hitting second, which is a really good spot for him. That doesn't mean anything if your leadoff guy and your nine-hole guy aren't getting on base. And D right now is is sporting a 324 on base percentage, which is it's slightly above league, league average. It's fine, um, but it's not anywhere close to um, what it needs to be. Um, and then when you put him at nine and Malik's, I think, is under 300 on base percentage now, um, you're not giving Hanniger and Domingo much of a chance uh, to drive in runs. So I would put Hanniger in the leadoff spot, or I would consider Domingo Santana in the leadoff spot. Um, Those are two changes I would make. I would move Narvaez up. I would move Bruce down. Uh, Those are things I would do. And I would try to split up uh, Malik's and D. Um, Like you mentioned, maybe it's Malik's hitting seven, and then your eight is Brian Healy or whoever. And then nine is D and then Hanniger, however you want to do all that. Um, I would also consider hitting Hanniger leadoff and hitting Narvaez second. Um, yeah. There's just, there's a lot of things. If Scott service really wants to break up the righties, which so far this year, he hasn't done as much as he did last year, but 
that is something he typically likes to do. He likes to righty lefty, righty lefty as much as he can. Um, if he wants to do that, Narvaez is perfectly capable of hitting second. Um, so is Daniel Vogelback. Um, so there's just I would a even lot. Throw Tim Beckham into the mix. Yeah, I think Tim Beckham in certain matchups is a is an interesting guy. Um, and that, that's the other thing too is that this doesn't have to be a straight platoon. It doesn't have to be a lefties on the mound. So heel, so uh, not Healy. So uh, Hanniger is the leadoff guy. Uh, righties on the mound. That means D's the leadoff guy. Like it doesn't have to be like that. There are matchups. There are certain types of pitchers that guys will hit better than others. Um, you know, and that's when, that's who you have to trust your analytics people. You have to trust your bench coaches and your numbers and just start a lineup. The lineup doesn't have to be static. In fact, it shouldn't be a static lineup. There's no evidence whatsoever that having the same starting lineup for 162 games is better than flipping and flopping and having a different lineup for 162 games. There's none. So don't be afraid to do it. Now, again, this is all very temporary. I, I think Malik Smith in the long run is the right choice to be the leadoff guy because he does get on base. He, he does have a track record of that. Um, you get the nice bonus of the steal and all that stuff, which is a bonus, but it's not entirely necessary. But again, for the short term to kind of break up the funk, I would move Bruce down. I'd move Narvaez up. I would, uh, and I would change out the leadoff guy, either Hanniger or Domingo Santana, regardless if it's a righty or a lefty on the mound. Um, those are just those are just some of the tweaks I would make. I don't think the approach needs to be changed at all, um, and I don't think that the offense is all of a sudden bad because they've struggled for five games. And by struggle, I mean they put up what six runs in one game, five runs in the other, and then they got pretty well shut down by Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. those things happen. So. Um, I mean, I, d- I don't think anybody needs to be getting more playing time. You know, I, you Dylan Moore doesn't need more at bats, right? I mean, that's not one of the changes. Yeah, I, um, you know, and speaking of Dylan Moore, the the line just came out. Uh, Malix and D are both getting a, a day off today. Uh, Dylan Moore uh, is uh, playing second base uh, today. Um, both Vogelback and Carnacion and Bruce are playing, so. Kind of an interesting lineup. Uh, Hanniger, of course, is uh, hitting leadoff again with Domingo second. Um, and that's kind of the, the idea here, right? That those are your two best hitters right now. Mm-hmm. They should be getting the most at-bats. Yep. And, uh, you know, Domingo right now, yeah, of course, you can talk about, um, you know, him leading the league in RBI and all that, and that's great. But... Uh, really, you know, you're getting consistently good at bats out of Domingo Santana. You're getting consistently good at bats from Mitch Hanniger, even in these games where the uh, where the offense has struggled against top tier pitching. Those two have given you solid at bats. Um, you know, for for those last two games against the Astros, Mitch Hanniger was your only source of offense. Yeah, um, Santana had an RBI in that last game against the Astros. Santana, uh, again, can, you know, had, uh, I think he had an RBI in, what, the first game against Cleveland? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so those are your two best guys right now. I'd say Vogelback is probably your third best hitter at the moment. Um, it's either him or Encarnacion. Yeah, so I, 
I'd give those three the, the most of bats um, right now. Right. And see, that's part of the problem is today's lineup, by the way, in case you guys are wondering, by the time you listen to this, you've probably already seen it. Uh, Mitch Haniger, Domingo Santana, Jay Bruce sitting third, Edwin Encarnacion, Daniel Vogelback, Tim Beckham, Omar Narvaez, Ryan Healy, Dylan Moore. Um, yeah, I would definitely flip Jay Bruce and Daniel Vogelback. I would flip Jay Bruce and Tim Beckham. I would flip Jay Bruce and Omar Narvaez. Um, I think all of those are much better choices to be hitting third. Um, you know, and I know people, oh, well, Bruce, he's hitting home runs. It's like, yeah, but he's only getting on base 20% of the time. So that's again, the guy you're, yeah, you're eight, giving the third most hits. at bats to. Yeah. Again, eight of his 11 hits this year are home runs. So, you know, and, and it's been 20 games now. So, um, you know, he's not doing a lot of hitting otherwise. <laughs> Than, right. than hitting bombs and those bombs are so really you know really even though that he's at the top of the home run leaderboards in the american league those home runs are still so far and few between um when you really look at it it's just you know you can't bank on him hitting a dinger every game it's just it's not going to happen and if he's not giving you anything other than that he needs to be hitting lower in the lineup mm-hmm. um that's just how that's just how it is because you know you look at even a even someone like you know Joey Gallo, you know one of those guys that, um, you know he'll hit like two hundred in a season, but he hits like forty five bombs. That's fine, but like you got to put that guy lower in your lineup because most nights he's probably not going to do a whole lot for you. Um, and you know, and also you know, I'm not comparing Jay Bruce and Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo is a much better player. He gives you defensive value. I don't want to get yelled at on Twitter for that, <laughs> but uh, but you know, gives it's, you it's, really it's, good defensive value. Yeah. So I, uh, but the the whole thing is, you know, if you have a guy that has a very uh, subpar uh, slash line, but he hits a ton of bombs, that that shouldn't matter. You should still put him uh, down on the lineup. Uh, it's just because again, more oftentimes than not, because think about it, 45 home runs in the grand scheme of things of 162 games, that's not a whole lot of impact, right? You know, that's, that's, it's, uh, if you're not, you know, doing anything else in the other games, which is right. what's going on with Jay Bruce right now. And of course that'll change. Bruce will, will get hot and he'll get on base a few times here and there, you know, he'll, there'll be a string of games where he probably has a hit streak and everything. And that's fine. But right now he's giving you so little value, even if he's hitting all these dingers, I'm not saying bench him, but you need to put him lower in the lineup. He needs to be hitting like eighth right now. Like if, if we're talking about the lineup, uh, today's lineup, he should be hitting in between Healy and more. Yeah. Um, I think that's I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, but anyways, those are just a few of the things that we would like to see happen. Uh, more Mitch Haniger, less Malik Smith uh, seems to be the uh, the overriding theme there. Um, also, moving Jay Bruce down uh, in favor of Vogelback or Narvaez or Tim Beckham, um, some something like that. So just two pretty uh, minor tweaks that are ultimately short term fixes. Um, but yeah, again, those are those are two things that we I think we both would like to see, um, and I think it would make some sense for the Mariners um, to do that as well. So um, now that we have today's lineup, uh, we also know that Eric Swanson is getting a start today, his first start in the big league. So let's talk a little bit about what Mariner fans should expect 
from Eric Swanson, who I believe was our number 12. 12, I want to say, yeah. Yeah, he's our number 12 uh, ranked prospect at the website, uh, sotomojo.com. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we, we got to see him a little bit in Kansas City. He threw a couple innings. Um, so, Ty, what do you think uh, What do you think your expectations for Eric Swanson should be? Um, I think expectations, at least from, from my uh, standpoint, is – Solid, but not anything really sexy. You know, he's not going to put up, you know, a, he's not a shutout guy. He's not a high, you know, I'm going to strike out 12 guys and, you know, in one appearance type of guy. That's, uh, but I think you'll see, uh, you know, for today, hopefully you get five innings out of him of, you know, two to three run ball. And, you know, he keeps things close for the offense and, you know, it's it's a tough matchup for him going up against Carlos Carrasco and you know the Indians offense even though that it's been kind of a patchwork offense with several former Mariners and other retreads like Hanley Ramirez <laughs> because this is a real offense apparently in 2019 but uh you know they're 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 doing okay over the last two games and um but as long as he can keep things close I think um I think that's all you can really ask for him uh of him you know, because you and I both have uh, have said, you know, that we more so see Swanson as a as a reliever. Um, you hope that he can give you a solid, or he can become a solid number four, number five type of guy uh, in your rotation. But uh, if that doesn't work, you know, he's got he's got a solid enough repertoire to to be a dominant reliever. Um, but right now, yeah, I think you know, for a first start, five innings two to three runs. I think that's pretty solid, right? I think that's a, that's a decent ask. Yeah. Um, you know, Swanson's going to be 92 to 96 uh, with the fastball. The right. uh, higher velocity on the fastball typically comes when he's a reliever, um, but uh, he's probably pretty amped today, so we might see it a bit more uh, than usual. But, yeah, low to mid-90s fastball. It's got a little bit of run to it. Um, it... Uh, it we saw it in Kansas City, and there were a lot of swings and misses on that pitch, even when it was only at 92 miles an hour. Um, yeah. A lot of really late swings, which leads me to believe that the fastball has a really high spin rate, um, very similar to that of Nick uh, Nick Vincent. You mm-hmm. guys remember he throws 88 mile an hour fastball and blow it by guys. Uh, so that's kind of what uh, what the fastball looks like. I think also his. Um, I would say command in the minors, uh, he's going to throw strikes for the most part. Um, it's more control versus command. So, I mean, he'll put the ball in the strike zone, but it's not going to be exactly where he wants it every time. Um, I would right. say he's got average command. Um, you know, so good fastball, average command. And then the slider and a changeup, they're both fringe, fringe average pitches. Um, the reason why Swanson probably isn't going to be a major league starter uh, long term is because he doesn't have that secondary pitch that's really going right. to uh, to separate him and yeah. help him get through the lineup more than once or twice. Um, yeah, but yeah the, the slider and changeover are both fringy. Um, he'll throw some good ones at times, uh, but yeah, for the most part, they're going to be average ish. At best, uh, he really relies on his fastball and throwing strikes. Um, and we'll see if he can get away with that at the uh, big league level. Um, 
I said, I, I was quite impressed with what he did last week uh, in Kansas City. Um, the stat line wasn't pretty, but I thought he was a lot better than his stat line indicated. And the guy has shown an ability to miss bats in the minor leagues. Uh, last year in AA and AAA, uh, he, he put up a 10.3 K per nine, uh, and he walked two, uh, 2.1 base on ball per nine. Those are really good numbers. Yeah. Um, so we'll however, see. because yeah, however, because he relies so much on on his fastball and and making that work, you know, there there are going to be quite a few games where it's just not working, and because he doesn't right. have that secondary pitch or that third pitch that he he needs to to uh, fall back on, uh, he's gonna he's gonna get hit pretty hard, and he's probably not going to rack up a ton of the uh, a ton of those strikeouts at the major league level. Um, I see him more as kind of like that, you know, Mike leak type of, you know, six to eight K's depending on how many, you know, innings he goes uh, per, uh, you know, per uh, outing. I just, I don't know. I, I, until I see a secondary pitch out of him, I just can't fully buy into him as a starter. And uh, I'm just I'm just not sure if that's if that's ever going to uh, if that's ever going to come here, because uh, right now, you know, sliders. okay, change up. okay, Um, but that fastball is nice. Right. It's it's a legit plus fastball. Um, He kind of you guys remember from his last outing, he kind of throws across his body. It's a little bit of a crossfire. There's a little hitch in his wind up that creates a little bit of deception. The fastball has a high spin rate. So. like we said, we think he can live in the majors with just with the fastball alone, um, and even a decent slider. He should be able to go. He should be able to get you multiple innings uh, without too many issues out of the bullpen. The question is, as a starter, can he get through the lineup a second time, a third time, using mostly just the fastball? And we'll see. Like I said, he's he's a pretty he's a pretty big kid. He throws strikes. Um, he throws hard. It, it's an interesting guy to watch, certainly, and. Uh, and he's ready. I, there's really not much left for him to do in the minors um, yeah. in general. He can refine his slider some, but for the most part, he is what he is, and now it's just time to see if he can do it. Um, Justice Sheffield wasn't ready, and that's really the only other option that they had on the 40-man. Um, you know, so we'll see. I think, you know, Tommy Malone is a guy who may uh, – take a few of these LeBlanc starts before too long, but Malone might also be a guy who piggybacks uh, Kikuchi. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it all works out. But, yeah, Swanson's an interesting guy. Like I said, you guys are going to see a lot of fastballs, pretty good velocity, um, and we'll see if he can get through the lineup at least two times. Uh, That would be a very, very uh, uh, good thing, especially when you consider the, uh, the Mariners still have, what, four games after this before they get a day off. Um, so we'll wait and see, but, uh, I'm, I'm excited to watch Swanson. I really, I do like him quite a bit. Um, and if he can be a number four type of starter, that's really, really good value for the Mariners. So yeah, we'll see. So, um, where are the Mariners going tomorrow? Is it Anaheim? Anaheim. Okay. So, and that's a four game set and then they're going to Texas after that. I think they finally get a day off and then, yeah, down to Texas. Okay. All right. So yeah, that um I think you know, after uh after today after facing Carrasco, you're you know, you're going to see them uh, 
face a little bit of a lower level of pitching, you know, with Anaheim and Texas. And hopefully that allows for the for the offense to get back on the horse because, you know, it's it's tough, like you said. Um, going up against Verlander, Cole, Bieber, Bauer. Those guys, they're, they're dominant. And, um, you know, especially, you know, I think uh, last night they left a lot on the table. I think Bieber wasn't as sharp as uh, as his line may, may indicate. But, uh, you know, they're, I mean, <laughs> facing all that pitching, you know, in three consecutive days, that'll do, that'll do things to, a, to an offense. Yeah, it's... It's it is what it is. Yesterday was the first game that I watched that I was like, this is a really bad performance by the offense. Um, They had opportunities. Like you said, Bieber was in the middle of the plate quite a bit um, and they just missed, you know, and it happens. That was the first time I was frustrated by the offense in this five game uh, losing skid. Um, But before we move on to your guys's questions, Ty, you wanted to talk a little bit about Tom Murphy. So uh, why don't you. uh, Take the floor. Yeah, I mean, like, I want to, I want to give some props to Tom Murphy. He's been, um, you know, he's only appeared in five games. Uh, I believe four of those have been Mike Leak starts. Correct? Yeah. Am I right on that? So yeah, I mean, but he's he's come in and he's uh he's looked strong. You know, he's he's he had kind of a weird off season, especially the, the end of his spring training. You know, getting waved by the Rockies and going to the Giants, and then the Giants flipping him four days later to the Mariners and all that. Um, and to come in here and hit like the way that he has, you know, he, had, he went three for four last night. He got his first home run the other night against, uh, against Houston. Uh, right. Or was it against Cleveland? I'm no, it was uh, against Houston. Houston. It was the first, yeah. yeah, it was the first Houston game. He extended uh, the streak to 17, I think. So, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's coming and he's hit. He's hit like how he has in the past in in the minor leagues. And um, you know, we we talked about the or I talked about this briefly when when he got a, uh, acquired um, by the Mariners uh, in our in our article and also a little bit on the podcast that he just he's one of those guys that hasn't really gotten a whole lot of opportunity, kind of like Daniel Vogelback. And mm-hmm. I think the more opportunity you give him, because he has hit fairly well. Uh, at every level of the minor leagues, if you give him opportunity, he's he's he may run with it. And right now, you know, five games in, it's a very small sample size, but he's looked good. He's had strong uh, plate appearances. He's he's walked a little. He's taken pitches. He's you know strung out some pretty long abs in the times that he has gotten out. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing, and defensively, he hasn't looked too bad either. He. Uh, he uh, got uh, who was it that tried to steal on him last night that he got? Uh, Martin. Was it Leonis? I believe it was. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, it was Leonis. And so I, I think you're you're seeing quite a lot out of Tom Murphy right now, and I, I just I wanted to get my ups to him because that's that's huge. If they if they've made that find and they have two solid catchers on their roster with him and Narvaez, that's mm-hmm. really huge for them. If they can just if those two are are basically interchangeable and they're both hitting and and playing you know solid enough defense to get by you know neither neither of these guys are going to be Mike Zanino you've definitely seen that with Narvaez that he is nowhere near Mike Zanino uh, but you know you might be able to with the both of them combined 
might make a, a solid enough um, catching position defensively and get a lot of offense out of it. Right. It's, he's certainly an upgrade over David Freitas, who, uh, no offense to David, uh, just not, you know, he's a third catcher. Um, yeah. Tom has a chance to be a quality backup. He said, you mentioned he hit everywhere in the minors. Well, you look at, you know, 2013 in 100 games, he had 22 home runs. 2015 in 105, he had 20. 2016 in just 80 games, he hit 19. Um, you know, 2017, he hit, he only hit four in 38 games. Um, and then 2018, he hit 17 in just 64 games. Uh, the guy's got power. Um, and that was, when I uh, when they traded for him, that was my initial. Uh, that was what I initially remembered about Murphy. He's got pretty good power for a catcher, um, but just a really like a thirty five grade bat. Uh, strikes out a lot, doesn't walk a lot, not a high on base guy. And I thought the defense was going to be fringy average. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, I've been impressed with the the defense. He's certainly an athletic catcher, that's for sure. Um, and yeah, we we've seen him take these long at bats. He takes walks. Uh, he has three walks in his five games this year. Last year in his 37 games with the Rockies, he had three walks. So yeah, uh, yeah the guy, he, he maybe the Mariners have found something that works for him. Uh, maybe it's just an approach thing. Maybe it's a uh, philosophy change or something. Um, but yeah, right now the Mariners looked up here to, ha- uh, they appear to have a pretty solid catching situation. Um, and one that honestly it could get better uh, with the two guys that they have. So, yeah, uh, yeah Murphy deserves a little bit of uh, praise, as does uh, Jerry Depoto and his crew for uh, finding uh, or taking a chance at least on Tom Murphy. So, yeah, and I mean you, you gotta love Tom Murphy with his dad batting stance and everything. I mean, come on, <laughs> he just comes up there, ass out, you know, yeah. <laughs> just ready to ready to swing. It's uh, that's him and Freitas yeah. both kind of had those like. 45 year old dads who are like, oh, I'm going to jump in the batting cage. And for the first time in 20 years, like that's, that's how their, their like stances at least looked. Um, yeah. But yeah, the swings, are, the swing is solid still. Um, yeah. Murphy is a, uh, he's an interesting guy. I, I wouldn't mind actually seeing him catch Kikuchi once or twice. Um, I think he might just be a better fit for uh, yeah. Kikuchi than, uh, than Narvaez. So um yeah, I, w- I would swap out Narvaez and uh, Murphy with Mike Leak uh, for a couple starts at least, just to see how that goes. Um, all right, so I think that's going to wrap up our portion. Uh, we do have a few questions that we want to a- that we want to uh, answer. Uh, thank you guys so much for uh, sending us the questions. By the way, all right. So this first question comes from Josh Wright, who. Uh, pretty active on our on our uh, Twitter feeds and whatnot uh, at Josh a Wright. he asked with the 2020 timeline looking more realistic which free agents at the end of this season do you want the M's to look into um, this has another question but we'll get to that in a minute so Ty are there any free agent either names or types of players that you think the Mariners might be interested in if they see 2020 as a legit opportunity yeah, I mean to to quickly acknowledge the 2020 being a little more realistic. I mean, the season's only three weeks old. <laughs> let's let's not get too too excited here. I, I you know, my, I think uh, it's 
I think it's more about Depoto did come out and say, you know, he likes what he's seen with the young guys. Right. You know, maybe the development is a, takes a step forward sooner than I initially thought. Um, but I, I do think it's important to define what, you know, what 2020 is, like what could it be? Right. Um, and for me, that's wild card contenders. I, I don't see them competing for the division in 2020. Um, but I mean, if, if that's what Josh means, then yeah, I think they're, I think that's totally possible. They could be serious contenders for a wild card spot. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I've always, um, I've been saying this, you know, ever since the off season that, um, the Mariners now with Felix coming off of the books with, you know, more of the Cano money being taken off of the books and, Encarnacion, um, Encarnacion, et cetera. They're going to have money to play with. They'll be aggressive. I, you know, I think that they might be aggressive at the deadline and add a quality MLB, you know, young, controllable MLB ready player like they did it in the offseason, you know, getting Malik Smith and Omar Naifaez. I think that is uh, definitely, uh, I, I would put money down right now to say that they're at least going to get one of those guys um, at some point this year. Uh, but moving forward to 2020, you know, the, the uh, uh, in the free agency period, you know, Colby put out a great piece yesterday about, um, you know, the Mariners trying to find an ace. I think that they could try to find that ace next year. Um, I think that's something that they, if they, if the opportunity um, proposes itself to them, I think, you know, Steven Strasburg, if he opts out of his contract, I think that's a that's that's, you know, a, an option for them, uh, a realistic one at that. They're going to have money to play with. Um, they I, I can't imagine, you know, DePoto has been um, hasn't really dipped into the free agent market outside of Yusei Kikuchi. You know, and a couple of you know relievers and you know Tim Beckham and all that over the last few years, but a lot of that has has had to do with you know them having a ton of payroll already mm-hmm. accounted for several players, right? So now that Felix is, you know Felix's numbers are 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 done, uh, Incarnacion, et cetera. Now that they have that off of their books, you know, offering up. Steven Strasburg, 20, you know, 26, 27 million dollars a year. That's not crazy to think that they would they would at least attempt that. Um, you know, I, I think um, I think, you know, I, I haven't really looked at a lot of uh, the free agents for next year. I know Anthony Rendon is a is a uh, free agent, I believe. Did he sign an extension? Not yet. Uh, it sounds so. like they might be working on it, but. We'll see. A lot of the free agent class has already been signed to extensions, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's uh, as of right now, Rendon is scheduled to be a free agent. Yeah. And so, you know, that could be a, an interesting uh, guy for them. Um, you know, I don't think that they will be in play for someone like Garrett Cole. I think, you know, no. the Astros will retain him. Uh, Chris Sale will probably get retained by the Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, Sale signed an extension. Oh, you signed an extension, so there you yeah. go. Uh, you know, but I could also see them, you know, try to find a solid reliever to, to you know, mm-hmm. a high leverage reliever uh, to to bring along with them. You know, and then there's some other guys that, that you know, like Nick Castiano, Scooter Jeanette. I uh, I believe both of those guys are set to be free agents next year. Yep, it's those kinds of guys. You know, think of it like this: 
um, how the Astros and the Cubs recently constructed their their rosters was build around their young core, right? And your young core right now is Mitch Hanniger and maybe Kyle Lewis comes up at the end of the year. And then you you think about the guys like Jared Kelnick and and Julio Rodriguez and Logan Gilbert and all those guys. Those are the guys that you you want to be your stars and you want to build around those guys with solid role players. So, you know, you look at the Astros and when the Astros were going for it, they got McCann and Reddick and and the Cubs, they got Zobrist and Hayward. Those are the kinds of players that I would expect the Mariners to go after. So Nick Castellanos fits that. Scooter Jeanette fits that. You know, they're not superstars, but they are above average role players that are solid pieces to build around a young core with. And fill out your lineup or fill out your rotation or your bullpen and make it a lot more sustainable. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, uh, the idea there. That's kind of my expectation for this year, next year, et cetera. Um, but even if the Mariners uh, fall apart here this season and they, you know, they f- finish 20 games under 500 or what have you, uh, I still think that they'll be uh, aggressive no matter what, just with eyes towards, you know, 2021, 2022, which has always been the goal. But I think uh, I, I haven't ever doubted that they were going to add pieces along the way. Right. Um, I think, you know, you pretty much hit everybody that makes some level of sense. Um for the Mariners uh, going into next year. And also another name, Yasil Puig, maybe. Um, he's a free agent. Chris Davis is going to be a free agent. It yeah. seems Mitch, pretty. Mitch Moreland would be okay if they, yeah. If, yeah. yeah. Sure. It, it seems pretty likely that JD Martinez is going to opt out of his deal and get a new one. And I think he'll probably stay with Boston, but you never know. Um, so, yeah, th- there's some guys that make a lot of sense. Um, but it's really hard to answer this question right now because we don't know about like, forget the prospects. We don't know enough about a lot of the MLB guys right. um, that are like, is, is JP Crawford, your shortstop? I mean, you're going to get a pretty good look at him in the second half of this year, yeah. but is that enough to determine whether or not he's your shortstop? Uh, because if he's not, you know, Elvis Andrus might be available and yeah. DD Gregorius might be available. Those are two yeah. guys that I would be interested in. Maybe is Tim Beckham part of your future? Um, is Kyle Seeger going to be here? Is he your third baseman going forward? Or are you, are you, can you trade him? Yeah. I mean, can you trade D Gordon? How much money are you going to have? There's so many questions and so many players is Domingo yeah. Santana part of your future or is he just somebody you're going to try and flip this off season? Because that with, I'm we're assuming Malik Smith and Mitch Hanniger are part of the Mariners future, part of that young core. Then, you probably only have room in the outfield for one more guy and you still have Kyle Lewis to bring up. You saw Braden Bishop in your farm system. Uh, uh, Kelnick and, uh, and Rodriguez are coming up the pipeline. You might have to move Evan white out there. So, you know, there's so many questions here uh, facing the Mariners uh, that it's going to be really difficult to know. Um, You know, we'll because if let's if they trade D Gordon this off or in you know either this off season or in July, then all of a sudden second base becomes a pretty significant need because as much as we like Shed Long, he might not be your second baseman. Uh, that's not written in stone. So, you know, all of a sudden, 
you know, you look at second base and guys like you meant like Starlin Castro, he's a pretty good role player. Scooter Jeanette, like you mentioned, um, you know, Ben Zoprist even he, he'll be available. Um, yeah. so it just, it's he'll also more, be 39 years old though. So right, right, right. Probably, that, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the extreme, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to, it's really tough to know the picture right now because again, we're assuming that Evan white is the first baseman, right? Um, what if they have to trade Evan White to get their ace? You know, uh, then all of a sudden, maybe a guy like Jose Abreu makes sense. He's a free agent next year. Uh, but that being said, at the end of the day, I think if the Mariners are going to spend big money on a starting pitcher or on a on a addition, it's going to be a starting pitcher. Um, yeah. Madison Bumgarner would make some sense. He's not an ace anymore, but he's still a really solid pitcher. Um, There's going to be Dar- a lot of pretty. There's going to be a lot of pretty good pitching out there, actually. Now that I'm looking at the uh, free agent list on Track, you, you got Colin McHugh, uh, Julio Tehran, Jose Quintana, um, Michael Pineda. Actually, Michael yeah. Pineda has actually been off to a pretty good start this year uh, for Minnesota. So that you know reunion Jake, maybe. Yeah. Jake Odorizzi, Zach, Zach Wheeler, uh, Rick Porcello. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Porcello is solid. Uh, Michael yeah. Waka is a guy that I really like. Um, yeah, I think Strasburg is kind of the guy, though. Um, if he opts out, I would have no issue with the Mariners offering him five one fifty. Uh, that yeah. thirty million dollar range. Uh, you're already paying Felix twenty seven five this year, so it's really not a significant addition uh, salary wise to what you're already paying. Right. Uh, who's supposed to be your ace, anyways? Um, but yeah, I would expect starting pitching. If they do spend big money, it'll be on a starting pitcher. Um, but I also, again, I wouldn't rule out, uh, them adding a significant bullpen piece. Um, you know, by the way, here's a surprise. You know, Dylan Batances is 32 years old. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's not something I would have guessed, but maybe they signed him. So yeah, there's, there's a few things. I've always, uh, I've always felt that he would be a Mariner. Actually, when we were, um, when we were doing our uh, our little GM simulation uh, during yeah. the during the off season, uh, that was one of the guys that I put on my list as a, as a target. And I thought about it. And I was like, man, it kind of makes some sense, you know. Like even just in general, like uh, with the Mariners uh, at the time, you know, Zach Britton, you know, coming back to the Yankees and all that. You know, do they want to keep Batances? He's been a little eh, over the last year. You know, so yeah, I think that that's that's a pretty solid option. Um, you know, you think about maybe like Kenley Jansen is another guy. I believe he has a um, he has a player option uh, that he could opt out of. But you know, again, also the market is pretty scary for some of these uh, impending free agents after the last two years. You know, these guys just not getting deals, especially relievers. You look at Craig Kimbrell. Um, so I, I don't expect a lot of guys to opt out. Uh, but you know, you you never know. The, the some some guys they they get some bad information from their agents. <laughs> yeah, they sure do. Um, yeah. That leads us to the second part of Josh's question, which is, um, what are the top three areas or positions of weakness facing the Mariners heading into twenty twenty? Um, and I would just say it's too soon to know. Yeah, it's uh, too soon. That's. Yeah. I I think if you really want to like, based on what we know right now. Uh, it's starting pitching, it's bullpen, and I would say probably third base. 
I mean, see, it's just it's hard to pick one because yeah. I'm shortstop maybe, but Crawford, I we don't know if Seager's going to be good. We don't know if D's here for the long term or the short term, and we like Shed Long. First base, there's plenty of options there. I just it's it's starting rotation in the bullpen are pretty easy to pick out right now. Um, yeah. And I guess if I had to pick a third one, I I guess third base. Just not knowing if Seager, what he is now, I I don't know. Yeah, I think I think we should go into 2020 or or look forward to 2020 with the expectation that they're going to have to address at least one of their infield spots. Yeah, either D Gordon is going to be traded, or JP Crawford's not going to be what we expect, or Cal Seager's going to get traded. Uh, one of those things is going to happen, and, you know. And also, Tim Beckham might play into that equation if he continues to. Uh, be a solid contributor for this team. Right. You, know, you, Even, you said that you said that you like him as a third baseman. You know that's a possibility if Seager goes elsewhere um, at some point. So there's um, I yeah. think I think that's fair enough to assume that you're going to at least have to address an infield spot at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't even know if they'll jump to conclusions on Crawford just this year though. I think no. they might give him, you know, more time than that because, especially, we don't even know when he's coming up. Right. They probably should give him more than just the, the two or three months that he's up. Um, you gave up a lot to get him, and there, there is legitimate uh, tools there, um, despite how quickly people want to write him off. Um, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't even say first base isn't. It seems like it would be because the Mariners have a ton of first basemen right now. But Jay Bruce and Edwin Encarnacion, if the Mariners can get anything for them, they're gone. Uh, Ryan Healy, I got off to a hot start. There are a few positive signs, but he looks more or less like just another guy. Um, you know, Evan White, we're really counting on him to take a huge step forward. What if he doesn't? You know what I mean? Like, what if what if he regresses? That's possible. Uh, and Daniel Vogelback, well, he's probably just a DH. So even first base, as deep as it seems right now for the Mariners, that could be a position they have to address. So and that's and that's why I brought up someone like Mitch Moreland, you right? Know, uh, a guy that's probably not going to cost you a whole lot and plays a solid enough first base and gives you uh, above average offensive value. Um, right. You know who you just described? I I think I think you're pushing without knowing it for the reunion. Of the smoke bomb in Seattle. Let's make it happen. <laughs> Justin Smoke, 2020. Let's do it. Is he uh, a free agent next year? He is indeed. He is indeed. Oh, boy. All right. There you go. All right. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Uh, you know, someone like, uh, I mean, is Ryan Zimmerman having a decent year? I think he I, has a club option. They might. They're, they're not going to. It's an $18 million club option. They're not going right. to take that. They're not going to so, take that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's uh an option i assume that the cubs are going to pick up uh, rizzo's option so that's yeah. probably not going to be anything so yeah so like someone like justin smoke that's fine uh really you know smoke has played at honestly an all-star level over the last three years uh he was an all-star what two years ago uh yep. a starter a starter in fact um and uh yeah i, I i'm i think He's that's kind of player now yeah, and that's a guy that's not again not going to cost you a whole lot. Nope. Probably going to be. Yeah, and when you look at some of the you know the contracts that were given out this year for for 
you know, guys like Justin Smoke and and Mitch Moreland, you're probably going to get that guy for six million dollars. So that's not a whole lot. Yeah, uh, it's um, honestly, I would be fine if they gave Justin Smoke a Jay Bruce contract, which I think was three thirty nine. Yeah. Um, I he's worth that, but I think you're probably going to get less if that's something you want to if you want to pursue. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely come back to uh, the free agent talk later. Um, probably not even in the free, probably not even until after the season, we'll probably start talking about that more frequently around the all-star break when we start to know who's, you know, who may be part of the future and who's getting traded and all that stuff. So, um, that's a good question. It's a fun question, but one that we just really can't answer as well as we would like right now. So, uh, thanks for the question, Josh. Um, next up we have two from our good buddy, Jordan, um, First up, he wants to know if Felix stays the course looking like the adequate four to five starter he has been this year, would you be interested in bringing him back to the team? And I will start by saying no. Yeah, I, I mean, unless he's coming like on a, on a minor league deal, um, which you won't. Yeah. Uh, then I'm going to say no. Um, because I, you know, you gotta, you gotta allow for, uh, you know, because next year, Justice Sheffield's gonna be with the team. Eric Swanson's mm-hmm. gonna be with the team. Justin Dunn is probably going to get an opportunity to break camp with the team. Um, you're going to have, and and there's probably going to be other pitchers involved. At least you you have to assume so. You know, Stephen, uh, you know, like maybe Strasburg. You know, they signed Strasburg or they signed someone. Uh, that we talked about uh, just yep. a moment ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I just I can't imagine that uh, he comes back next year. I just don't think there will be room, really. Um, so unless he's willing to come on a minor league deal, which, again, likely not going to happen. Um, I mean, you never know. You, you know, you saw someone like Gio Gonzalez do, do that this year. Uh, so it's possible, but I figure that he'll probably look to go to an, uh, to a more um or a better opportunity for him to start maybe you know if someone's available yeah I'm, I'm sure you know someone like somewhere like baltimore or something will give him a fly to see if you know oh, maybe he can be, yeah see if he can maybe be solid enough for them to flip or right i don't know but you know part, part of this though is assuming that felix even if, if he pitches well is even going to want to stay in seattle um because he's never bought into scott's service He's never bought into the things that the Mariners are doing with their starting pitchers. He's been very resistant to all their changes. So I guess my question is, is A, would the Mariners want him back? No, I don't think so. And B, does he want to stay with the Mariners? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I, think I, think, he's... I think I think another question you need to ask, though, is uh, especially if, if he deals with injuries again this year, will he want to continue pitching? Sure. Um, I think his ego is inflated enough that he will, but uh, I, I definitely take the point. Uh, he's still chasing the Hall of Fame, man. And, you know, three years ago, we would have laughed and said, oh, he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. Now he's pretty much leveled out where he was three years ago. His case hasn't gotten any stronger, um, may have gotten a little bit weaker. It's just not. I, I think the Hall of Fame means something to Felix. So I think he's going to keep trying to pitch. Um but honestly, this just feels like, to use a football analogy, this feels like the end of the Richard Sherman era. It's just like, you know, it, it's just time. 
Um, and, you know, we love you and you were awesome while you were here. And thank you for so many great memories. But it is just time for us to go our separate ways. And maybe we'll meet up again at the end and celebrate each other. But for now, it just we need some separation. So, right. Uh, yeah. For me, the answer is unequivocally no. I'm not interested uh, in bringing back Felix. Um, and I just right. don't really think it's very realistic. Right. It just it doesn't make sense really for anybody involved. Um, so I would say no. Um, all right. Jordan has a second question. He wants. He says, uh, with the corners of the team looking like they have their position on the team locked in for a few years, what position do you see having the biggest change next year? So this is pretty similar to Josh's question. Uh, he mentions uh, up positions up the middle, basically catcher, second base, center field, or shortstop. Um, so which one is going to have the biggest change next year? Or- uh, I think if you if if D Gordon continues to have a uh, or continues to hit how he's been this year he's going to get traded this year um so i think second base is probably going to be um a big topic for for us moving forward because i don't see shed long as a long-term solution there so i think i i think either uh uh, you know uh, a prospect that's not currently in the system or uh, an impending free agent uh, is likely going to be um, starting at second base for the Mariners next year. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I, I. That's really the biggest thing for me uh, when when just thinking about the roster. And I was even thinking about this just a couple days ago, uh, just on my own. Just uh, it it seems like that's the most glaring hole because it's clear that. While the team loves D and D, you know, has been great for the clubhouse and everything, he's not going to be here long term. Um, right. He's not, you know, he's not a part of that plan. And, um, and I think at some point you're going to have to address second base, and maybe ne- uh, next year is the time to do it. Um, right. So yeah, and like you know, and we mentioned you know Scooter Jeanette uh, is one of those guys that that could be an option. Um, you know, someone like. Uh, like uh, Jonathan Scope or Brock Holt or you know one of those guys could fill in. Um, Starling Castro, time. Brian Dozier. There's yeah. there's quite a few Brock Holt. Um, there's quite a few guys that uh, could make some sense there. Um, and I, I would tend to agree with you on second base, just because I I think you know Jordan mentions that Malik's is probably <laughs> probably better suited for left field than center, and I would agree, but he's not a bad center fielder. Um, he's certainly average or slightly above average there. So they don't need to move him. And if, again, if they see Domingo Santana as legitimately part of their future, which at the age of 26, he very well could be. That is something that Mariner fans need to remember is that, you know, things can change quickly. And if Domingo is what he was in 2017, he fits the Mariners timeline pretty well. So that is not a guarantee that he's gone. Um, And if he's not, he's got to play somewhere, and left field is probably that spot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't see well, really – go ahead. Yeah, I mean, Domingo could also be the DH, um, like a right. full-time DH. Maybe he yeah. can move to first base. Uh, you know, Domingo's probably Jay Bruce, like in terms of, uh, you know, where you would position him going forward, a little bit of left, a little bit of right, some first base, some DH. Um 
Right. And yeah, the defense for Domingo has been really poor this year, but that's not typically the case. He's he's not he's never been a terrible defender in his big league career. He's always yeah. been just average ish. Um, so he's been kind of like a Denard span. Yeah. And technically, he's more of a right fielder. Um, you're not going to move Mitch Haniger out of right, though. So uh, Domingo will learn. He'll get better out there. I think Malik Smith is going to be the center fielder um, for the foreseeable future, at least until uh, Kalenic is ready or unless Braden Bishop just takes that job. I, I don't see that happening, though. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's second base. Shortstop, we kind of know what it's going to look like. It's going to be J.P. Crawford for the foreseeable future. Uh, second base, we don't know because, like I said, I, I know you really like Shed Long. I really like Shed Long. The Mariners yeah. like Shed Long's bat. But if they saw him as the second baseman of the future, he would exclusively be playing second base. How and, how would you feel about this? I know yeah. I was thinking about this a couple uh, couple days ago, and, and I just saw a tweet that that reminded me of this. What about Tim Anderson? What about a trade for Tim Anderson somewhere down the line? I mean, I, I think Mariners fans are probably a bit uh, overvaluing how good Tim Anderson is because he's yeah. like a. He's a Hall of Famer against us. Uh, but, right. yeah, and- Anderson's a good player. Um, you know, he's not a great defender at short. I think maybe second base is a better spot for him. Uh, That's what yeah. I was implying, yeah. Yeah, he's he, overall, he's he's a very good player. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. It, again, it's going to depend on cost, and I think he has a pretty reasonable contract. And Chicago doesn't exactly have you know, a, a line of uh, shortstop prospects coming up behind him. Um, but yeah, if, if that was an opportunity, then I wouldn't mind Jerry, you know, exploring that. Um, but, you know, with every trade opportunity, it comes down to cost. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, if, if just in a vacuum, yeah, I would be interested in that. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause you know, cause even with uh, the year that he's, he's had so far and he's, he's been good. He's already worth uh, a win per, uh, per fan graphs this year. So it hasn't been just against the Mariners. Um, but even then, you know, considering his last two years being under 300 on base, um, he's probably not going to cost you a whole lot on the trade market in terms of prospects. Um, so might be an option. Uh, that's just, you know, trying to think outside of the box. That's one of those guys that, that jumps out to me as, as someone that, uh, Jerry could target as a, as a young controllable MLB ready guy you know he he fits that same mold of a malik smith and of course you know malik's and omar and those guys they've had a better track record than than anderson but if anderson is has finally figured things out as it seems he has at least early on that's a guy that that i'd be very much interested in kicking the tires on yeah um it's it's five years of club control right um, yeah. you know, he's 26. So he's just kind of entering. He's the same age as Malik's. He's the same age as Narvaez, um, reasonable contract. He's got 20 million, uh, roughly over the next three years. And then he's got a couple of options, team options that could bump that up to, uh, five years at about 40, uh, 45, $46 million. So totally reasonable deal. Um, yeah, that's that's something that if if the opportunity came, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be upset about that at all. So, right. 
Um, but yeah, uh, to answer your question, uh, Jordan, I, I say second base, and I guess Ty does as well. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. Yep. So we'll wait and see where that goes. And finally, um, our last question comes from uh, Matt uh, at Mr. Underscore Johnson underscore Ike. Uh, interesting Twitter handle there. Um, he wants to know what we see happening when Kyle Seeger comes back. Um, which as of right now, still looking like mid June is the earliest. So, uh, what do you think the Mariners do when Seager comes back? Uh, this is, this is kind of one of those, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think right now, um, uh, if Healy continues to struggle, I think you send Healy down because he still has options. Right. I think that would be um I don't know. I mean I you know, I guess I guess like if he were to come back today, it would Dylan Moore would go down and they would have Healy come off the bench, but I don't know. I yeah, it, it, that's that again, that's we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. It's just there there's uh, there there are a lot of players that you don't really want to sacrifice right now for that, um, and just a lot of information that you still need moving forward to make that decision. And that's fine, right. but you know you also got to take into account that um, by the time Seager comes up, uh, JP Crawford might be might be up with the team. Um, Shed Long could also be pushing that uh, pushing the envelope there. Um. You know, and then injuries and maybe a surprise trade or something like that could have an effect on that. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I would assume Dylan Moore is is the is the likeliest option, um, but I wouldn't rule out Healy if he continues to struggle. Right, um, Dylan Moore makes some sense to send down because. Um, you know, again, you have plenty of first basemen, uh, you have Healy now who can play third as well as Seager. And if anything happens up the middle, you can get away with, uh, you can get away with, uh, D at shortstop or whatever for, uh, an inning or two, uh, before you call somebody up. Um, but I think, you know, first and foremost, it should be uh, stated that when Kyle Seager comes back, he needs to play every day as much yeah. as he physically can uh, for a couple reasons. One, you need to know whether or not Kyle Seeger is your third baseman of the future. Um, he's still young ish. I mean, he's 30 years old. He's not over the hill. Uh, he's still a really good defender. We saw him make the commitment to change his body this off season. Uh, he's just two years removed from being a borderline MVP candidate and just a year removed from being a solid, you know, three win player. Um, last year was really bad, but you need to know, is that the new normal or is that not, uh, because you need to know if Kyle Seager is part of your future or not. Um, and the other thing is you need to trade, you need to play him every day so that if he does hit and he, you don't consider him part of your future, you can trade him, uh, probably in the off season, probably not at the deadline. Um, but this off season, you might be able to trade him if he comes back and he hits. So, uh, you need to give him every day at bats as much as he can physically play, he needs to play because you need to know uh, what the future of Kyle Seeger is. And the only way you can know that is if by playing him. 
Um, So Seager has to play. Um, That being said, if when that does happen, I think the right move is probably to send down Healy um, just because maybe there's still a chance Healy could be something. And for me, Dylan Moore is basically what he is. I mean, he's, there's not much he's going to gain from going back to AAA. He pretty much is what he is. Um, and Healy more or less is as well, but there is still a bit more upside with Healy. So I would rather have him get every day at bats than Dylan Moore. Um, so I think that's probably the play. Again, uh, Seager has to come back. There has to be no setbacks. Everybody else has to stay healthy. There can't be any surprise trades. There's so many things that could happen. Um you know, in the old baseball line is that these things, they just tend to work themselves out. Um, So, and that's more or less what's going to happen here. But if assuming everybody's sticking around and everybody's healthy and whatnot, Seager plays every day and either Dylan Moore or Ryan Healy goes down. Um, And for me, I would send down Healy. Um, But yeah, I guess the most important thing is that Kyle Seager needs to play every single day when he comes back. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, thanks for the question, Matt. And that's that's all the questions we have today. Uh, thank thank you guys. There a lot of really good a uh, lot of really good questions today. Um, so we appreciate that um, as well. So uh, before we sign off, uh, Ty, you have anything that uh, you want to add? I mean, what the hell is today's start time for this game? It's <laughs> three forty Pacific on a get what? I, I don't think I've ever seen a game at, at Safeco or T-Mobile now uh, start at that time. If it, if, you know, if it wasn't a uh, like a nationally televised game, like I don't think I've right. ever seen just a regular scheduled game start at this time. Have you? Like, no. I yeah, that's I, I noted it as well the other day. I was like 340. That's why are they posting that in uh, Eastern time? And, uh, no, it's, it's three, four. That's a really weird start. That'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, the, the shadows, because that's an unusual start time. So, is it sunny there today? I I do not know. I'm, I'm not, I'm going to pull up the weather right now. Cause that's, that's going to be interesting. Um, yep. Mostly sunny. It's it's cloudy with, uh, no chance of rain, but they might close Close the roof. I would. If they close the roof, then that's then that's fine. It's not really going to have a. It's not going to have an effect at all. But man, that's a weird start time. That is really really strange. It really is. Um, But uh, other than that, I think that I think that pretty much wraps it up. Um, Yeah. So unusual start time. A really unusual promotion that the Mariners are doing today. View level seats for twenty dollars because of the home run streak. It's like, uh-huh. well, it's a Wednesday game. You're not going to get anybody to go to that, anyways. Uh, it's a really <laughs> funky start time, so you're probably going to get even fewer people to go. Uh, yeah. But sure, yeah, offer the twenty dollar tickets. Sure, why not? Um, <laughs> what do those tickets usually go for? Um, I usually get them for around thirty, thirty five bucks. So it's not like it's a bad deal. Um, it's just right. odd that they would offer it today right. when. Basically, nobody's going to take advantage of it. But what are you going to do? Do they do they do uh, like a dollar hot dog day at all? Because I, I've seen a few teams do that. The Blue Jays do it every first Tuesday of the month. Yeah, they do they it. have what's called like a deal of the day, and okay. they offer one of their menu items for a reduced price. 
Um, but I was still, that's a really, it's not a very good promotion. Um, Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. That's when they do like the hot dogs, the cracker jacks, the pizza, the soda. Mm -hmm. And then the weekend games you get, you know, peanuts and red vines at a discount. It's like whoop-de-doo. Um, (laughs) in the meantime, I'm I'm down to munch on some red vines every now and then. (laughs) It's I think it's actually red rope, but, uh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was like the weird off-brand mm-hmm. one that's like three feet long. <laughs> yeah, still, it's yeah. it's really embarrassing how Safeco or T-Mobile refuses to go to the dynamic pricing that we've seen in other places. Um, most notably, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, where the Super Bowl, the hot dogs were like four bucks, which is still, I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot for a hot dog, but it's not, you know, nine fifty. Um, it just, yeah, I don't, I. It's really frustrating to me that the Mariners are telling people that, you know, hey, be patient, be patient, be patient. And meanwhile, you can't go to the ballpark and get a soda for less than $11. You know, it's how about you cut us some slack there, Mariners? Yeah, Um, Yeah. but they've had some pretty good turnouts here to start the season. Obviously, winning is going to help with that. Um, You know, the 13 and two start helped with that. Mm -hmm. But they got 90,000 for a weekend series against the Astros. Yeah. so that's that's not too bad. Last couple of days have been sparse, but that always happens with school. Uh, st- school still going on, and the midweek series. It just and it's Cleveland. It's not like it's Boston or New York or anything like that. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I just it'd be nice if the Mariners every once in a while would go, hey, you know, let's let's maybe forego a bobblehead night and let's make sodas four dollars instead of eleven or whatever it is, you know. So. Jeez. Yeah. It, it is what it is. Anyways, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe so you don't miss any of our new episodes. Uh, the next episode is going to come out on uh, either tomorrow night or Friday morning. Uh, we'll take a look at the uh, – we will take a look at the uh, – I guess it's a four-game series, so I guess we'll probably have to be tomorrow. <laughs> uh, we'll take a look at the Anaheim or the uh, Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim series um, in that one and talk about the, uh, the series here against Cleveland as well. Um, make oh. sure you guys visit the website, sotomojo.com. We have a bunch of uh, good stuff up, including uh, my rankings of the five most likely future aces of the Mariners. I kind of put into order who's most likely to uh, to take that mantle from Felix Hernandez um, with a couple of uh, surprising options, I would say. Um, follow us on Twitter at sotomojofs. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us there. But if you guys, again, want to send us questions or you want uh, suggestions or comments, whatever, uh, the best place to do that is definitely on Twitter. Um, that is where we are most active. So, again, follow us at SotomojoFS um, for all that uh, all that fun that we, uh, we do on a nightly basis during the Mariner games. Um, so I think that'll wrap it up from us. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you in another life. Peace. Peace.